morning, y'all. Welcome to Foundry. My name is Elijah. I'm one of the pastors here. Thankful that you're with us today. And we're jumping into this series on Satan. I don't know about you, I've never heard a message series on Satan. Sometimes I've heard a preacher talk about Satan now or then. But the reason we're doing this is not because we want to give glory to Satan. It's because we want to understand how Satan works in this world. There's a guy named C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you've ever read a book by C.S. Lewis. He's a great Christian thinker, a brilliant man. This is what he wrote. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. I think a lot of our culture does that. We think, okay, devils, that's what you wear, that's what your little kid dresses up in for a Halloween costume. We disbelieve in them. He said the other danger is to feel an excessive and an unhealthy interest in them. During this message series, we're not, we're not going to have an unhealthy interest in the dark side of the spiritual world. But we do want to understand who our enemy is, how our enemy works, and then understand what weapons we have to fight back against our enemy. So across these next four weeks, we're going to be jumping into this, and we're going to look at who Satan is, how he works, and how we can fight back. I've been depending a whole lot in my preparation for this series on a book, and so if you're interested in reading more, this is the book. It's called The Strategy of Satan by a guy named Warren Wearsby. A very good, very helpful, not weird book. You know, I think a lot of books, if you buy a book about Satan, you're like, what am I about to read? This is biblically grounded, really solid stuff, and I'm plagiarizing him like crazy. So just, just want to let you know up front, I'm citing him for the next four weeks, okay? Because he's just a solid, solid author, great book. And we're going to talk about Satan in four ways. Satan as the deceiver, as the ruler, as the destroyer, and as the accuser. And these are the roles Satan has when he comes into our lives to attack us, to tear us down, and he hates us. And here's, here's the reality. Satan wants to stop you. Satan wants to destroy everything that you are. In fact, Satan hates you. Why does he hate you? Because God loves you. And the only way that Satan can attack God, because God is all-powerful, the only way Satan can get at God is by getting at the people God loves. So every time Satan comes at you, it's not because you're something special. It's because God loves you. And he wants to stop you. And we're in a spiritual battle every single day of our lives. I don't know if you believe that or not. We are in a spiritual battle. And we've got to understand how Satan works so we can defend our own lives, our souls, our families, our nation, and our church. And it's up to us to have the tools to do that. So we're going to jump in and see uh, how to do that, this, this, uh, this message series. I want to give you a little background on Satan. This is like the origin story, right? We just had the Joker movie come out. I don't even saw that. It, it freaks me out to even think about the Joker movie. I just saw the trailer for it, and I, I can't stomach that kind of stuff. But origin stories are interesting because if you don't know how someone got to the point they are, it's hard to understand who they are. Satan, we, we learn in Scripture, was an angel. Now, we don't know much about him, but he was an angel. He was apparently a powerful angel. And at some point... Satan and a bunch of other angels rebelled against God. Now, I don't know who's, whose idea that was. Right? Who's like, hey, you know what? God's all-powerful. Let's try to fight him. That's like me being like, you know what? I, I can do it. Let me, do, let me go to the UFC and just take on one of those dudes. It's like not going to turn out well for me. Give me about two seconds and I'm dead. And so I don't know why, why, which, which demon thought that was a good idea to attack God, but they did. And it said a whole bunch, in several points in the Bible, 2 Peter and Jude, talk about a whole lot of the angels rebelled against God, and now they've been cast out. Well, we learned that this, this figure, and, and his name's Satan, uh, his name's the accuser, he becomes the leader of all of these. Now, this is weird stuff, right? It's real stuff. This is real stuff. Satan is called the ruler of this world. 
Right? If you ever stop and think about that, God is not the ruler of this world. Satan is. Now, God is the ruler of everything, but Satan is called in Scripture the ruler of this world. He's called Beelzebub. You know what Beelzebub means? Lord of the flies. That's where, that's where we get that book that all of us had to read when we were in high school, Lord of the Flies. That's, that's where the name comes from, Beelzebub. Satan's called the father of lies. And today we're talking about how, how Satan is the father of lies. He comes in to deceive us, and Satan wants to target your mind because your mind is where you can understand the will of God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Satan wants to target your mind because your mind is where you can understand the will of God. This goes all the way back. If you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis 3 today. Genesis chapter 3, very beginning of your Bible. And this is where Satan first rears his ugly head and he comes in as a snake. Now look, I don't know why Satan had to come in as a snake. Like he appeared as a snake. He, he ruined snakes for all time. Like snakes are one of the coolest creatures, objectively. No, objectively, one of the coolest creatures, objectively, the worst thing in the world. I hate him. It can be a two-inch garter snake. He will not harm me. In fact, he probably is good for me in some way, eating, eating bugs or something. I will kill the thing. I will, I will dig. If he's crawling through pine straw, I will set fire to the whole forest. I hate snakes. Anybody else with me? Oh, I hate them. Now, they're cool, but I hate them. I don't want to touch one. You know, I, I remember being at a, a circus back when I was a kid, and they had this big snake. You could you'd pay like 20 bucks to hold this big anaconda. And I'm like, man, you couldn't pay me 100 bucks to get close to that thing. And my pocket knife, I was ready. I was going to take it on, man. And so, so going back, and, and here's, the, here's the truth. In every culture, every culture that's ever existed where, they, where the snakes existed, people hated them. Why? I think it goes back to this point, honestly. I think it goes back like, to the very beginning of time when Satan screwed it up for us and for the snakes as well. Now, God, God set up Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them this command. He said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Only command he gave them. No Ten Commandments. No, like, you got to love other people. It was just don't eat from the tree. I feel like I could not eat from the tree. I'm finishing up a diet right now. And if I cannot eat, like, spaghetti and bread and apple pie for two weeks, I feel like Adam and Eve could have not eaten fruit for, like, forever. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else feel like that? You're like, just, just that one fruit. You get mangoes, you get pineapples, you get papaya, you get apples. Just don't eat that fruit, dudes. Why'd you have to screw it up for us? So here's, here's where we find ourselves. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now right off the bat, we learned something about how Satan works. Because Satan always comes in and he questions God's word. Did, did God really say that? Are you sure? Are you sure God said that? Did, did he really say that? The woman replies. This is, this is the next thing. Ladies, ladies, you get yourself into so much trouble by talking sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Adam was an idiot because he didn't, he just sat there like a bum. He was watching Ole Miss football or something, right? He didn't say anything. But like, don't talk to snakes, ladies. One rule from today, don't talk to snakes. If you're offended, ladies, I'm sorry. But don't talk to snakes. That's just, that's just it right there. This is like, this is like the weird version of, uh, of Snow White. You know, instead of like talking to squirrels and birds, Eve had to talk to a freaking snake. Like, why the snake? Go talk to the bear. I don't know. Talk to the raccoon. Why the snake? So she starts talking to the snake. And she says, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. 
But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Now, now you miss it if you're not paying attention. I don't know if you're a details person. I'm not really a details person, but thankfully, uh, somebody else I read was a details person. And, and there's actually three ways that Eve changes or messes up or gets wrong with the word of God. God had given them a very specific command. But this is what Eve does. She took away from God's word. Because God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden except for this tree. When she talks to the serpent, she says, we may eat. Now, that's a small difference. But what she does, she starts understanding her life not in terms of the freedom God gives, but in terms of what they can just are allowed to do. Here's the truth. God gives us so much freedom. And God is the God of freedom. He wants to give us freedom more than we can imagine. But often, when Satan comes in and starts questioning God's word, we start saying, you're right. I mean, that does kind of stink. That, does, that is hard. I'm not sure if I like that. And Eve starts to take away from God's word. Here's the second thing she does. She adds to God's word. So God, God never said, you must not touch the tree. Eve says, you must not touch it. And often what we'll do is first we start to take away from God's word, then we start to add things that aren't in God's word, and we try to make those God's word, and then we start to think it's even more burdensome to follow God. We're not free anymore. We just get to do some stuff, but it's, it's tough, and we can't do other things. And then the final thing she did is Eve changed God's word at the very end. Because God says, look, you must not eat from it or you will certainly die. No question about it. You're, you're going to die. She changes it. She takes away the certainly you will die. Now, it's a small difference. These are all small differences. But they're all small differences that lead her to step away from the word of God and start depending on her own strength. So Satan comes back and says, oh, no, 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 no. You won't certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Eve took away from God's word. She added to it. She changed it. Satan questioned God's word, and then he denied it. He says, oh, you won't certainly die. All right, this is how Satan works. He will question God's word. Then he will deny God's word. And then he will give his own lie in place of that. He says, you will be like God's. He questions God's word. He denies God's word, and then he comes in and he replaces it with his lie. And Satan is still doing this today. Why did Satan attack God's word? Why didn't he attack some other? Why didn't he come up to Eve and say, hey, I know you've got this guy named Adam, but I just created this better, improved version called Chatham. And he's so much better. He's got bigger pecs, better six-pack. He doesn't watch football. He'll actually hang out with you. He's the best listener in the world. I have designed him only to listen and not speak unless you ask for it. He won't try to solve your problems. He is the perfect man. His hair will not go gray. He will not lose it. Chatham is the man of your dreams. He could have come and said, I got a better one. He didn't do that. He could have come and said, are you really content here in the Garden of Eden? Because I'll tell you what, a while on from now, they're going to come out with the iPhone 11. And if you don't have the iPhone 11 with three cameras on the back, you're nothing. And Eve would have been like, you know what, you're right. I'm going to eat this fruit so I can have my iPhone 11. He could have come and said, you've never heard of them, but malls will exist in the future. And I will create your own personal mall where you get to buy anything for free and you'll get full run of the place. You'll always have to let anything you want if you just do what I say. Satan could have come at her in any way. He could have said, hey, you're really not measuring up. 
I'm pretty sure Adam's not interested in you anymore. I'm pretty sure he's spending more time hanging out with the bears than he is with you. I don't know if he's really, he could have attacked her self-confidence, her self-image. He could have done any way, but what did he do? He attacked the word of God. Satan will always come in and attack the word of God because if he can move us off of the word of God, he has moved us off of our foundation. Because once you've stepped off your foundation, once you've stepped off the word of God, then all bets are off. Your identity is up for grabs. Your desires are suddenly up for grabs. Your insecurities come out and you start acting in ways that go against what God wants because you're insecure. All these things come out when you step off of the word of God. And as soon as Eve stepped off of it, she sinned against God. God's truth was replaced with a lie. And from that point on, everything else in her life, and then Adam sinned at the same time, and everything else in his life was up for grabs. Satan still works in the same way. He will come into your life. He will question God's word, deny God's word, and replace God's word with a lie. And his whole goal in doing this is he wants to make you ignorant of God's will. Satan's goal is to make you ignorant of God's will so that then you'll be open and vulnerable to attack. He still works this way in your life. He says, look, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Is it really that important that you, that you don't sin sexually? I mean, it's not a big deal. Porn is not a big deal. You just look at it on your computer. No one's going to know. And he fills, fills your head with this lie. I need this to be satisfied. It's not a big deal. And he, he starts to question the word of God, planting a lie in your head, and then your whole identity and your lifestyle shifts. He comes to you and he says, look, you don't measure up. You're not attractive enough. I made you, or God, God said he made you perfect, but look in the mirror. You're not perfect. You're not how you need to be. And he fills your head with his lie. And you shift from saying, God's word says, I'm made in the image of God, and I'm going to stand on that no matter how I feel. But then Satan comes in and he says, no, 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 no. The image of God, that, that doesn't matter. You're not enough. He starts to question it. He starts to deny God's word, and then he fills your head with a lie. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. And when you moved off the foundation of God's word, you just stepped into whatever else he puts in front of you. Now, here's, here's, where, here's what I'm asking at this point. That sounds terrible. How do I crush this snake's head? How do I crush this snake's head? Like, I hate snakes. I, I, went on a, I was in Boy Scouts. And I went on this Boy Scout camp out. It was a wilderness survival camp out, which means you have to make your own place you live. You can bring like a total of three pounds of stuff, including food. I brought three pounds of food. And you have to bring food and whatever, and you have to then build your own place to stay and do all these things. So we build this tent, you know, out of like sticks and leaves and twigs and stuff, and you sleep on the ground. We get up the next day, and we're walking all around these trails through the woods, and they're filled with a couple inches of water. Not a big deal. Wilderness survival. We're Bear grills, but better. We can handle it. And so we're walking around these trails, and suddenly we see slithering things in front of us. The ground is moving. It's a snake. It's multiple snakes. So as wise, careful Boy Scouts, we all grab snakes, circle up around the snakes, and beat the crap out of those snakes. It was the greatest experience of my life. Literally, a group of like six or seven dudes all just taking turns, like, whoo, 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 and just beating these snakes up. We, we killed 15 snakes that day. And then we skinned them, and then we ate them. Yeah. Bear grills. We're gonna, we're just, it tasted like chicken. We put some lemon pepper on it. It was great. And we wanted to show those snakes who's boss. One of the, one of the most, I'm serious, this is going to sound weird, one of the funnest experiences of my life, beating snakes up. And so I'm thinking right now, okay, how do, how do I beat 
this snake, Satan, up. How do I do it? Well, here's the good news. When, when God comes, after, after Adam and Eve had sinned, he comes to them and he tells Eve, your offspring, listen to this, your offspring is going to crush the head of this serpent under his heel. Someone who's going to come from you, one of your descendants, is going to crush the head of the snake under his heel. This is what's, what's known as the proto-euangelion, big theological word that means the first gospel. This is the first time the gospel shows up, because who's that offspring, who's that descendant? It's Jesus. Jesus is coming, and he is going to crush the head of the serpent. That was, that was way, it was a long time ago. What happens? Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, Satan knows he's in trouble because he knows what he was told by God way back in the day. He knows what's coming his way. And when Jesus comes, he's baptized. Jesus went down the water. When he comes up, God says, the Father says to Jesus, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved son. And then it says Jesus was led by the Spirit, this is in Matthew 4, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, here we go, Matthew 4. Now, now Jesus is called a lot, he has a lot of titles. He's called the King of Kings, right, Lord of Lords. He's called the Prince of Peace. He's called our Savior. But one of the ways Jesus is referred to is the second Adam. Now, he's not Chatham. Jesus is the second Adam. And Jesus comes in, and the reason he's the second Adam is because he is the image of God, and he is here to make right what went wrong with Adam. Where Adam sinned, Jesus is coming to make it right. And so he comes in, and this is what happens. He's there in the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's been cleansing himself, focusing on the Lord, seeking God's will above any physical thing. And then Satan comes up. And here's the thing about Satan. He, the, the dude is very clever, but he's limited. All right, Satan is not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power. Satan cannot be everywhere at once. He is limited. He's a spiritual, powerful spiritual being, but he's limited. And he's even limited in the tricks he has. He comes in with the same kind of tricks he tried against Eve. This is what he says. The tempter came to him, verse 3 of chapter 4 of Matthew. The tempter came to him and said, if... You are the son of God. Now, what did, what did God just say? God just said, you are my beloved son, right? But he comes in and he, he, he's trying to question and deny the word of God. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus is God. He's the son of God, but in his very nature, he is God. Perfect God and perfect man together. And he could have come back with anything at that point. Satan, I already rebuked you once. Get away from me. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus could have said, I'm not going to turn these stones into bread, but if you give me a fish, I can feed 5,000 people. Jesus could have said, I got a whole army of angels, Satan, watch your back. We kicked you out of heaven once, I'm going to kick you, out, kick you out of earth now. He could have said all those things, but he didn't. When Jesus is tempted, the first words out of his mouth are, it is written. Think about that. This is the living word of God containing all power, he's the creator of the universe, and his go-to when the tempter comes is, it is written. Why? Because scripture teaches that our sword of the spirit is the word of God. And when we dwell and live with the word of God in us and soaking our lives in it, that it is powerful, it is effective, sharper, the Bible says, than a double-edged sword. 
And there's a reason that the Bible keeps using this sword imagery for the word of God. Because it is powerful and it will take down things in front of us. It will take down spiritual forces in front of us. And so Jesus comes back and he says this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He's quoting from Deuteronomy. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's making a statement here. He's making a statement to Satan and then to all of us who are reading it. Jesus' first defense against the lies of Satan, the deceptions of Satan, his first defense was the word of God. And then it says this, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And Satan said to him, if you're the son of God, again questioning, then throw yourself down. For it is written, and now Satan actually quotes scripture back at him. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so he starts taking scripture, God's promise to us, and he says, hey, why don't you just test God out? See if God is really your father. If you're really his son, why don't you test him out? Why don't you see? And Jesus knows his Bible. Again, he quotes from Deuteronomy, and he says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now you think Satan would get, get the idea by this point. But Satan's ready to try something else. Again, verse 8. The devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said, all of this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. From the beginning, Satan has been seeking worshipers of himself. And in order to get worshipers for himself, he gives us the illusion that we will gain power and prestige and glory and honor for ourselves. He gives us that illusion. Now, this is different because here's what God says. If you humble yourself, I will exalt you. What Satan says, if you exalt yourself, if you, if you exalt yourself and worship me, you'll be lifted up. But the opposite happens. You'll be brought down. And he says, if, if you will bow down and worship me, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything you see right now. All the kingdoms of the earth, I'm going to give it all to you. And Jesus gets frustrated at this point little righteous anger. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, y'all. You know, he's just got some rage pent up in him. No, Jesus didn't have rage. But he's just a little, he's probably a little frustrated at this point. And he says this, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And it says, Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to Jesus. Satan thought he had an ace up his sleeve. He thought he could get Jesus. If I can just come in and get, I've already gotten the first Adam. I've gotten the first Eve. If I can come in and get the second Adam, then I'll be safe. My head won't be crushed. I can come in and take him out. But Jesus again and again said, it is written. You know, the only defense we have in our lives against Satan's deceptions is the word of God. Satan came in and he was ready just to, just to eat Jesus up. He was ready just to come in and just have his way with Jesus. And then when he went in, he realized Jesus had been marinating in Scripture. Jesus had been soaking in Scripture. Jesus, off the top of his, his head, knew Scripture. And Satan knew he had no chance with a man who was focused on the will of God. You will remain spiritually vulnerable until you saturate your life in the Bible, in the Word of God. It doesn't matter how good your life is going. If you are not rooted and grounded in God's word, you will be spiritually vulnerable at every level because you will not have that foundation. And when you don't have that foundation, everything else is up for grabs. Satan's lies can come in. 
You start believing his lies. When you don't know what the will of God is, then you start believing the lies of Satan. And so here's what you got to do. You've got to know God's word. You got to lean into God's word. This means you got to spend some time in God's word. Read the Bible every day. Now you may say, I don't know how to start. I don't know where to start. If I, here's always my suggestion. I would start in Genesis chapter 1 and start in Matthew chapter 1. And just read a chapter of Matthew every day and a chapter of Genesis every day until you get to the end of those books and just keep reading. Chapter a day, Old and New Testament. When you do that, when you start in Matthew, you're going to see how Jesus lived, what Jesus commanded, what his will is, what his desires are. You're going to see, i got to love my enemies and pray for them. You're going to see, i actually got to be a peacemaker. You're going to see, i got to build my house on the firm foundation of what God wants and not on my own things. You're going to see that Jesus loved people to the point of death, and he loved us to the point of death. And you're going to see now he's told us to go. And as you read through, you're going to say, I know what, I know what my purpose is. I know what God's will for my life is. As you read through Genesis, you're going to see how God created everything good and how he created each of us. And he said, y'all are very good. And then how we, through our own sin that Adam and Eve committed, have sinned and kept on sinning. But how he started all the way back thousands of years ago to work a plan of salvation for the whole world. Starting off with a guy named Abraham. And you're going to meet Abraham's family and walk up and you'll start to see what God has done. And you'll get grounded. You'll get rooted in who God is. You'll get grounded. You'll get rooted in who you are in him. You're going to start knowing how you should live. And then when things come in your mind, you start being tempted and you start being led. You want to take an action that will harm somebody else. You're going to say, nope, nope, the word of God says. It is written. When Satan comes to deceive you and he is going to be active in your life, you're going to be able to say, no, I got this. I know what Satan's saying, but I know what the word of God says. You've got to know the word of God. Here's the second thing you got to do. you got to meditate on the Word of God. The Hebrew word for meditate means mumble. you got to be a weird, crazy person sitting in the train station. you gotta, you got to meditate on, mumble, murmur the Word of God. Uh, you, you just got to think, you got to read a verse and you say, oh, that was good. Like, that was really good. Jesus is going to crush Satan's head under his foot. Oh, Jesus is going to crush Satan's head under his foot. Oh, Jesus is going to crush Satan's head under his foot. In the weight room, the guy next to you is looking at you kind of weird, picks up a 10-pound to hit you with, and you come at him. Jesus is going to crush Satan's head under his foot. Jesus. And you start meditating on it. Focusing your heart on it, focusing your mind on it. Not like, it's not a meditation like empty my mind, whatever. No, it's like, God said this, let me focus on this. And I guarantee you, for those 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus wasn't eating food. He was doing a lot of murmuring. Ooh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fill up this belly with your words right now, Lord. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When, when he's ready to do his own thing, he's like, no, worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He said that to himself. So when, by the time Satan comes, he's ready. He's like, I got him. I know, I know what I'm supposed to say. I know what I'm supposed to say because I've been meditating on it. I've been murmuring on it. As a Jewish man, Jesus would have done this every single day. He would have murmured, muttered, mumbled, meditated on Scripture every single day. So, so Jesus knew God's word. And he meditated on God's word. And the final thing was, and this goes along with the meditating. When you're meditating on something, you're going to memorize it. It's going to stick in your heart. The psalmist says, Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you, God. I'm actually going to hide your word in my heart. Satan doesn't know it's there, but when he comes at me, it's going to pop out. And you memorize God's word. Here's what I love about Jesus. 
He quotes three verses. And he doesn't quote like one from the Psalms that he saw on Pinterest and one from Genesis, which he heard in the sermon one time, and then one because it's in Deuteronomy and he read that one time and memorized it to sound spiritual. That's not how Jesus worked. Jesus actually quotes twice from Genesis chapter 6, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and once from Deuteronomy chapter 8. In other words, that tells you Jesus has probably memorized these chapters of the Bible. In fact, Jesus had probably memorized the whole book of Deuteronomy. As a Jewish man, he would have done that. And he had this word of God hidden in his heart. So when he faced one of the greatest temptations of his life, he didn't have to just do it and hope it turned out okay. He knew exactly what God had said. Can I tell you in my life, God has given me so much freedom in my life from the power of sin. However, temptation still comes. And it comes strong sometimes. And I know my defense when temptation comes is the word of God. It's setting my eyes on Jesus. It's trusting in his power and not my power. It's saying, God, I know this is what you want. Jesus, I know this is who you are. You are the image of the invisible God. You're the firstborn of all creation. By you, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or rulers or powers or dominions, all things were created through you and for you. That's, that's the Bible right there. And I can say that to Jesus, and I say, because of that, Jesus, I'm going to follow you right now. Because of that, whatever's coming my way, I know you got it. I'm going to trust you with it. And when you have the word of God planted in your heart like that, Satan gets pushed out. Satan comes knocking, knock, 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 and he, he, the door opens, and you got your SWAT team there of Scripture ready to fight him off. You're just chilling back on your couch. You're just like, hey, can you take care of that security? And the word of God has it. The sword that is powerful has it and defends you when Satan comes. And this week, Satan's going to come knocking. This week, Satan will come. It may be a big way, maybe a small way. Satan's going to come. And when he does, you need to be equipped with the word of God. Satan's going to come with pride. He's going to say, man, you, you're really something. You deserve that. You deserve that. you got to come back and you got to say, no, like Jesus, worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It is written. It is written. Satan's going to come. He's going to tempt you sexually. And you got to say, it is written. It is written in the Bible, free from sexual immorality. He's going to come with distraction. He's going to distract you from what you're supposed to be doing. And you got to say, it is written. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to be added to me that I'm worried about. But i got to be focused on the kingdom of God. Fear is going to come into your life. And you got to say, it is written. You will keep God in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. It is written, God, you're going to do it. I'm going to stay steadfast in you. Worry is going to come up in your life this week for a lot of us. We're going to have worry. And we got to say, it is written. Leave your worries with God because he cares for you. I'm going to do that. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to hit a wall this week in a relationship, in your job, in life, and you're going to want to just give up. You have to say, it is written. Those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go, grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You're going to be tempted to despair. And you have to say, it is written. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I put my hope. You're going to be tempted with loneliness. And to think, because I'm alone right now, no one cares or loves me. You have to say, it is written. Jesus said, surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And then you get to the end, and you look around, and Satan's gone. 
He's tried every weapon he has. And he is gone. Because you stood on the word of God. And you will have angels ministering to you. Because you have stood firm on the word of God. Because you are saturated with scripture. And Satan's going to fire what the Bible calls his fiery arrows at you. And none of them will hit. None of them will land. Because you have the word of God. I know a lot of us right now have temptation going on in our lives. For a lot of us, it's, it's a big, it's an overarching temptation. It's been going on for a long time. And, and you might feel powerless against it, but you've got to know, you are not powerless against your temptation. You are, you are powerless, but when you have the word of God, you are powerful. And for a lot of us, the reason we are spiritually vulnerable, the reason we keep sinning or falling into temptation is because... We're not rooted in the word of God. So if you're here today and, there, and there's something going on in your life and you're, you're feeling the temptation or the pull, maybe it's away from a relationship. God, God has put you in this relationship with a friend, with a spouse, boyfriend or girlfriend, and, and you're supposed to be committed in love to them, but, but you're feeling this pull away from them. Or maybe you're, you're feeling this pull to manipulate and use them because of your own insecurities. You gotta say, no, 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 no. It is written. It is written. You, you may feel this, this pull towards stepping into some sort of sin, cheating in some way, sinning sexually in some way, and you got to say, no, 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 God's, God said something. It's written, it's written, it's written. Maybe it's, maybe it's despair. Maybe it's loneliness. And you're tempted to think, I don't matter. No one cares. You're tempted to think, I'm not enough. I'm one of the flawed ones. And, and that's where you got to say, no, the word of God is written. I was made in the image of God. I was made in the image of God. And you start mumbling that. You gotta start thinking about that and knowing that. And you've got to start memorizing scripture. And you'll be powerful. I'm serious, you'll be powerful. You think oh, it's just words. No, it's the powerful word of God. And it's a sword. And when you start speaking those words and you start believing those words, it's a sword coming out of your mouth that will take down any temptation Satan brings your way. So I want us to go to prayer right now. If we could bow our heads together. And I just want to ask. For Jesus to be in this place right now. Holy Spirit, be here. And we have a lot of, a lot of us are wrestling with things. We're wrestling with temptation. The devil's been knocking. He's been knocking for a while and he's been coming at us. And right now, we need you to be with us. And we need your word to be planted firmly in us. Is there anyone who'd be willing, as we all have our heads bowed, just, just, just slip up a hand and say, you know what? I, temptation's been tough recently. It's been tough and I need the word of God. We've got some hands up. Anybody else? Just say, that's me. Temptation's been tough. Anybody else? You need the word of God in your life. Let me pray over you. Jesus, help each one of these people who's facing challenges in life, facing temptations, who are overwhelmed by the things against them. Give them power through your word. Give them the trust in you to say, I'm going to trust in God's word no matter what. I'm going to trust in who he is no matter what. I'm going to trust in his word to give me power over the attacks and the lies that Satan throws at me. Give us trust today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. We're about to take up an offering right now. and We're going to take up an offering for any, any tithes or ways you want to give to the church. If you're just visiting today, we, we ask for you not to give. Actually, we just want to bless you with this time, this experience with us. Um, but also, if you have a Connect card, you fill it out, you can drop that in as well. If there's a way that I can be praying for you as far as temptation, the Word of God, or strength, I would love to do that. If you want to mark that on your Connect card, 
red card. I'd be loved. I'd love to, to be praying for you this week and supporting you in prayer. I'm going to go ahead and bless this, this time right now as we take up the offering. And then uh, you'll have buckets that will just pass down. You can drop your, drop your offering, your connect card in there. And then we're going to finish up with one final song. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for what you just did to bring power to our lives. And I pray you'd bless this offering right now. Father, bless it so we can use it to serve you. Bless the people who are giving so they can be empowered to give even more, to be generous with you with other people and help us always to seek your will and follow your word. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.